And with that, we're going to roll the open. We're back. And we're back. Yep. Thank you very much. Very, very good. Very good. You're listening to 43 Feet, a podcast about leadership. We believe that real leading happens out front, but that means you're probably building the next 43 feet of good road for those behind you while you're running the race yourself. My name is Frank Schwartz, known in the gloom of the early morning as Dark Helmet to my F3 brothers, and I'm joined each week by Dave Redding, or Dread, one of the co-founders of F3 Nation. We're going to answer your questions, pontificate wildly, teach leadership, and otherwise attempt to help you navigate the next 43 feet. That, then, is a beautiful segue. Actually, it's not at all. No, it's a ridiculous segue to the substantive portion of our program. Of this program, which is uh, today, which is apprenticeship, is it not? Yes, it is. It very much is. Which is also in the uh, fourth quadrant, the leave right. Yes. Uh, It is one of the, it is part of the leadership development process. Yep. Which begins with schooling. Yep. Moves to apprenticeship, which we are today. Right. Then we'll have some opportunities. And and then then, uh, very lastly, we'll fail. This is uh, Q4.3. If you're following along in our idiotic numbering system. Which we hope you are. Good. Now, the statement. Yes. You and Kitty did good with that, by You the like way. that? <laughs> I could tell you did it a couple times. <laughs> it's the magic of editing. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah. It's not like Kitty with his, t- breaks out his, you know, his uh, Palm Pilot or whatever. He right. takes those things on. Yeah. You know, helmet. Yo. Yeah, helmets, helmets can edit. All right. Yeah. Statement. The phase of the LDP within which positive habit transfer takes place yes. now positive habit transfer is itself a cue point and it the, right. the definition of that is ingraining advantageous tendencies in others yeah so it's how you do that so within the ldp after the schooling we now, teach you what the positive habits look like what they right. are and then now we're gonna we ingrain them we're going to ingrain them we're going to ingrain them, ingrain how, them through, how do we ingrain them oh very good that leads to three thought-provoking socratics ah. first one is there a pattern of learning that best serves the apprentice I have an answer. <laughs> that was really your question. Uh, yeah. Number two, how does a leader turn head knowledge into heart knowledge? And number mm. three, what incentive does a leader have to train his subordinates? And then we're using this in the F three way. Incentive is those things that lead to profit. You know, the profit that right. that you get people to do things for. Like, why should you do it? What combination? Yeah. What, of what is the real take home? What is the benefit? What right. do you get out of this? Right. Yeah. All right, now let's pick up the first spur, which is an apprentice first watches, then helps, and finally does. Watch, help, do. All yeah. right. So you take a wholly new, inexperienced apprentice, and the example we use in the Q source is a cord wainer. Yes. Which is a man who makes shoes. Indeed, I did not it's, know that. I thought not, that was a cobbler. He repairs shoes. Right. I know that he now. Cobbles yes. things together. Right. Right. Cord wainer makes the shoes. All right. You know, guy shows up, young guy, let's call him Nigel. What's that English name? Yes, very good. Nigel doesn't know anything about cord waning except for uh, what he learned in his cord waning manual that he read yes so he's got some schooling he had a little bit of schooling that's right yeah, he went you know, to he went to cord waning class at right. the community college you know today you know uh jeremy uh-huh. would, good good thank yeah. you jeremy would have watched a cord waning uh, video on youtube right and he and then he'd know what to do that would have been his schooling so it takes the same place now he shows up right he doesn't know anything about making shoes he wears shoes and that's right. that's about what he knows because so he's in watch yes right he's you know the, he's, he's getting demonstrations yeah. while he's getting those demonstrations the master cord wainer will also likely be teaching him some things yeah. about general office what's or general workshop rules right being there on time cleaning sure. as you go 
mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. How you produce a quality pair of shoes, right? And he's probably keeping them within some pretty strict guidelines about that. I right? would think. You know, if, yeah. if Nigel is late, you know, the master would, would um, Mr. S- Mr. Svivens? Mr. Svivens would, yes. that's kind of sweet as she sounds. No, no, uh, let's... Uh, uh it would be like uh, Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson would wrap him on the knuckles sharply with a court yes. winning stick. But anyway, <laughs> what he's doing is teaching him the discipline that he will need to run his own court winning shop someday. Right. So it's not directly related to court winning. It, no. it is just how to be a grown up. Here's how to be effective. Efe- efficient yeah. in, the, in, your, in your efforts. So someday he's going to be a journeyman, right? Right. You know, Nigel's going to leave the shop and be a journeyman. And when he does, if he doesn't have good work habits, he ain't going to survive. He ain't going to survive. And, and thus, he's going to get run out by, uh, I can't think of a good English name. Go on. That, that's right. <laughs> so, you know, so then we go into the uh, help stage. Yes. Now, instead of spending most of his time kind of cleaning up around the shop, Nigel's mm-hmm. standing at the cordway in her stand with, with little, Mr. Yeah, Thompson. Right? You know, the little, little, little foot thing. Yep. The little foot thing. <clears throat> And uh, he's handing needles and leather patches to, to Mr. Thompson. Maybe he's throwing a stitch in or two. Sure. Right? And, so, and Mr. Thompson also is probably explaining to him, so, you know, we cut it this way, you know, so that the angle when you put it here does yeah, that. And, right. And he's, he's, he's teaching. But right, he's, right, he's, right, right, right. Yeah. And then gradually, yeah. you know, the amount of time that the apprentices, uh, of the apprentices' work day is going to be spent less and less on these menial tasks because he's going to start to contribute an increasing amount of effort to the making the actual, actual making yeah, shoes, uh-huh. right? And then that's kind of going to lead you, you know, um, to the do stage. Yeah. So right? he, he, he watched Thompson do it. And he helped. And now he helped he's by bringing him stuff and, right. and being a little more involved. And right. now he's on to now the he's, do. Now there's a second stand. Oh. Right? So Nigel's side by side yes. with uh, Mr. Thompson and they're, they're working on shoes together. And as... Nigel's skill increases. Thompson, Thompson's, should have spent him Thompson. Thompson's <laughs> supervision of him decreases. Also, the rigorous standards to which Thompson has been holding Nigel around the shop relax a little bit. Yeah, you know, because now he's starting to do his job properly, start to understand these things. Like his his work habits are better. You know, once he's mastered all these various components of shoemaking, you know that he can make his own shoes. I mean, he's doing right. Right. You know, um, but every shoe that he produces during due is still made under the general under the general supervision of Thompson, and thus yeah. those two things are the, the two stands are still next to each other. Yes. Yeah. And thus, the shoe produced is still the responsibility of Thompson, the master. He is the shoe cue. This is what separates the due stage of apprenticeship from opportunity. Because, because, like you mentioned last week, the pilot. Or the uh, the instructor is still on the plane. Still on the plane, right? Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Now, let's take us to the second Socratic, which we said was how does a leader turn head knowledge into heart knowledge, and that's brings about this spur apprenticeship. Darkest one makes intuitive by training that which is counterintuitive by nature. Intuitive by training that which is counterintuitive by nature. You know. At this point, I could probably got to depart from the cord waning, you know, metaphor because I don't even know <laughs> what's little, intuitive there. Right. right? Um, and go to our, you know, go to some of our oft used things like, you know, pass play, praise and take blame. Sure. You know, those are not intuitive. Right. Right. You get taught that intuition by doing under the, under yes. the apprentice, you know, 
uh, under his watch, right? Yeah. That's 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 how you get better at that. That's you know, no man. We want to think so, and Goo would tell you so, but no man is born living third. But no, no man. No, he lives for number Your, one. Your yes. You got some babies, had some babies. Indeed. Were they living third? No. <laughs> and they're like, feed me and wipe yeah. my bottom. That's right, right, all day. Now think about it. Yeah. You walk into your job space and tell your boss, feed me and wipe my bottom. <laughs> Let, let's see how that goes. Now, even if you are a millennium, it ain't going to work. No, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work, right? And if you haven't had positive habits transferred to you, you know, you're, you're going to fail because you have to, you have to, be, you have to be taught that, yeah. that no, man, no man is born. You have to learn how to do it, right? The, you know, this process, this apprenticeship, it's like, it's almost, with respect to a leader, it's almost like uh, childbirth. It's, it's almost like you're being reborn to learn yeah, yeah. how to live third, right? Oh, yeah. And when you do that uh, well, as it, an apprentice. I'll tell you, there is something that's born. I mean, like, there's like a part of your brain or something that's that right. opens up. Yeah, right. that's it's right. Different. Yeah. Um, that makes the, uh, the master, you know, it gives him a special role because he's like, uh, he's midwife to the process, right? Mm-hmm. And he's the one who determines when it's done. Right. You know, so that's that's a pretty cool and important role for the uh, for the master. Let's take us to the third Socratic. Indeed. What incentive does a leader have to train his subordinates? Speaking of counterintuitive. Yeah. Why? Why should he do it? Here's a reason why he shouldn't He'd work himself out of a job. Right. Which you shouldn't. Pay. I mean, in fact, you see, you know, this is a, And I'm sure it happens as an attorney for sure. Oh, in yeah. fact, I think we've talked about it. We have talked about it. where. You know, I ain't, I ain't going to tell that kid everything I know because then he's going to come for my job. It, it, of course he is. Right. You know, that's kind of a given. Yeah. And uh, that's why, you know, if you take the average person, you know, why would he do it? So in yeah. terms of leadership, if you're the leadership, uh, if you're a leader in your office or a leader in your house, mm-hmm. why turn your subordinate or your son into a version of you? Why make yourself dispensable? Obsolete. And that's yeah. actually the spur. A yeah. virtuous leader makes himself dispensable. What do you think the answer to that question is? Well, I know what I feel the answer to that question is, and plus I may or may not have read the book, so it's <laughs> a little... <laughs> but part of the reason you do that is because, A, it's good leadership, uh, and B, because you ain't going to be there forever, yeah, mate. That's right. That's just the way it is. You're not going to be there, and um, you're not going to, even when you are there, Yeah, you're not going to be who you are today. And... And in a way, and I, I don't remember how deeply we go into this, but in a way, you are kind of doing a disservice to these people that you're supposed to be teaching and mentoring and loving and all that kind of stuff. Right. If you don't tell them literally everything right. that you That's know, right. you're cheating them. Right. You're cheating them. So uh, I learned this in opportunity, the lesson about indispensability mm-hmm. uh, and the purpose of doing it. But I'll, but it's in the Q source here in this part, so I'll tell it. So when I was a brand new platoon leader you know i uh my platoon got evaluated you know the way they would evaluate you is they would give you like a a practice mission you know you'd run it for a few uh-huh. hours or whatever, overnight kind of like sure. actually it's very much like go doing a go run okay. okay except yeah. you're your chain of command you're the platoon leader you're the platoon leader the whole right night, right and they would give you a mission that was within your your platoon's mission profile whatever it is you know i was scout platoon leader so we had to do a bunch of scout platoon stuff so uh you know, I got ready for that, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought I had my guys trained to do their jobs, and I did. I knew my job. I knew their jobs. We got the mission. You know, we started doing it. We did okay for a while, and um, I thought we were doing great, you know, and I was, like, starting to feel good about myself. And the evalu- evaluator suddenly looked at me and said, boom, you're dead, Lieutenant Redding. 
and looked at my platoon sergeant and said, you're a platoon leader. <laughs> and they froze. Oh, yeah. And uh, they, the rest of the mission was a failure, not because any single one of those guys couldn't do their job. They sure. all could and did it well. Yeah. But they couldn't do my job. They couldn't do your job, yeah. And the reason they couldn't do my job is I hadn't taught yeah, them to do my job. Yeah. Which is one part lack of foresight on my well on my part. I mean no, but, how would but you also, know that but also because I didn't want to share the power uh, I mean I that's, a, that's fair yeah, yeah. I mean, so I was a kid 22 22 yeah. you know I'm the boss yeah I'm in charge now you know, your job is to support the boss yeah it makes me uncomfortable that's to right. have you be in charge of something right. never that lessens me never occurred to me yeah to do that now six months later we had a got notice that we were doing another evaluation and this time, uh, I spent a little bit of time making sure these guys knew their jobs, but I spent the majority of time making sure they knew my job and each other's jobs and all that. Mm-hmm. And um, again, we went out and uh, did the first couple of tasks and a uh-huh. c- couple of missions. Different guy this time. Right. Boom, Boom you're dead. You're dead. Uh-huh. And the next guy in line, my tune started stepped up and picked up the pace like nothing was missing. As though you had never been there. And um, I was like, Actually, they're doing it a little too well. I know, sorry. Boom, you're dead. Boom, you're dead. <laughs> no, <laughs> Bring me back for, to life. I got, <laughs> not yeah. from that standpoint. Yeah. I lo- I became insecure. Oh. Just for a moment. Yeah, yeah. Like, they don't, sure. even, they don't need sure. me. Wait, well, I'm, but I'm important. They, they don't need me, you know? And I, so, I was a little worried about that. We, so, you, at the end of it, you have this evaluation, you know, we're all in this tent, you right. know, on the field, and my boss is there, my boss's boss, you know, these guys are going to grade me, whatever, you know, my evaluations, you know, right. they're explaining what the result was, and... You know, I kind of thought, you know, the fact that they had done better without me. Was, right, you were like. I was wondering if and <clears throat> and one of the evaluators got up and this is exactly what he said. Yeah. That they seemed to function better without me and everybody just cracked up in the room. I was a little panicky about that. Right. You know, I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound right. But then the guy said about me that I had trained my men to fight without me and continue to fight without me. You know, I'd made myself indispensable and there's no higher form of leadership. Yeah. So that's right. That was the moment when I understood that the idea is you work yourself out of a job. And that's counterintuitive, right? Incredibly counterintuitive. And counterintuitive. You work yourself out of a job. Now, I hope you guys, you know, in the XG would say that about me now that, you know, I'm always trying to get, teach you yes. what I know mm-hmm. so that you can do my job. And I hope that when you are doing my job, I will stand there and help you. Yeah until I can't help you anymore and then watch you until my days are done because at some point the process reverses Yeah. as you fade to black and as you're fading to black you can watch what you built operate and you can say that's why I did it Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean that's one way to look at it because frankly not every day is going to be a beautiful day man it's true right? there's a lot of stuff that happens Night comes, right? Mm-hmm. The land's dark. Sometimes the moon's the only thing you're going to see. That one happens, Frank. I'm not going to be afraid. Not at all. As long as you stand by me. I'm in. You know what you got? What's that? Face for radio. <laughs> Good thing it's a podcast. It is! It is. <laughs> when the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see no, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid
just as long as you stand, stand by me. Thanks for listening to 43 Feet, a leadership podcast. If you have questions about leadership, F3, or anything else, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com. Until next time, we'll be here in the unknown, the uncomfortable, the difficult, the 43 feet out front. Should crumble to the sea